What if every experience, every hardship, every obstacle was given to you, not to break you, but to mold you and strengthen you? What if the center of your suffering was actually the key to ultimate health? And what if your own pain was meant to be the catalyst for your greatest purpose? Welcome to Buddha Belly Life, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome. Here's a question for you. Uh, or here's just, I think, something to ponder. Um, power, power, power. I know you and I talk about that a lot. I know, um, I think when we talked earlier off camera before, I shared a little bit about that word hold, that word holds a lot of power for me. <laughs> I realized through through, uh, through some work I had done and I, I've done some like EMDR work, which is an alternative therapy too. It's very mind-centered. Um, and I realized that a big problem for me in my early life that affected me as an adult was the feeling of powerlessness. So I am much like you where I want to be a strong female. Um, you know, I want to be taken seriously. I am powerful. I am powerful, right? I'm always fighting for this power um, on a at an obvious level because internally this powerlessness can can could just infect me and it scares me and I'm always running from it, right? And it was really t- through doing that work and reframing how I viewed so many yes. things and saw myself as truly powerful deep down that it helped. Yes. Um, a lot of stuff, you know, especially chronic, you know, panic attacks and fear, a lot of fear, right? Um, and so we were talking about things like um, trauma, and being children of trauma. And I know we talk about ACEs and stuff, which is adverse childhood experiences and how much, and I had asked you, I said, you know, and I, I asked on you guys, I said, Hey, do you mind if I ask you this question? I said, I, I, you don't have to answer it, but this is what I, this is what I do. This is a little bit about me, but um, can I ask what your childhood was like because she had such an excruciating amount of pain and health issues as a child. And I personally have seen some really common ties when it comes to that um, with people I've worked with and and coaches and things like that. Um, And so I asked her this question. So Dawn, will you share a little bit about some of your um, trauma and things in your life that were components of I'd say some of your health and pain or could have been, I mean, what do you? Yeah, I actually, so when, when I was younger, I can't, I was an only child and my mom had me when she was 23. So she was young, but not that young comes I'm 42 years of age. And my mom had me to please my dad. Mm. My dad wanted children, and I don't think that my mum actually wanted children. So I came into the world where my mother was my predominant carer because my dad worked seven days a week when he's hardly around with a mum who wasn't coping, who was young and isolated. Her parents didn't want anything to do with her in the beginning stages because she didn't marry into a Catholic family. She married an atheist, so they didn't even go to the wedding. Mm. First year of my life I was just with my mom and my mom wasn't coping and I wasn't aware of this until I was older until I be I think I was of course not yeah I had no idea I had no idea about what my mom was going through until I became a mom myself and I was like wow 
wow, mm -hmm. can you imagine not wanting? And I wasn't aware of that until my dad came over from England to come and see my son. And Alfie wasn't sleeping and my dad turned around and actually told me something. And he said, you know that your mum never really wanted kids. She did it for me. And I never was privy to that. So being a new mum and realising that I'm going, wow, imagine being 23 years of age, not wanting a child and doing it for a fear of losing your partner and having to deal with this child on your own and not getting any support from your partner. That's got to be hell. So I started to see a deeper connection in relationship to I never had a bond with my mum therefore I was replaying that out with my son do you see mm -hmm. I started to see the connection between that what we experience as a child what we experience from our parents we start to replicate in our own lives unknowingly which is going back to the mm -hmm. subconscious programming so when I started to look at into the relationship with my mum I realized that my mum held the space for contempt and hatred of my she didn't like me because I took time away from her husband as well so she resented the mm -hmm. fact that I had a close bond with my dad so then I was mm -hmm. punished for that I'd be ignored I'd be beaten I'd be hurt I'd be emotionally scarred I'd be physically abused so many factors of abuse were coming along I'd be um locked away I'd have no privacy I was constantly fighting for freedom I'd have to keep my mouth shut I'd, I'd be walking on eggshells all the time I remember this particular one that's coming through right now so I feel that it must be um, important for me to share was I remember I got on the school bus and I remembered that I'd left my cereal bowl in the living room and I all day at school was frightened to death what I was going to walk into when I got home I thought my mum was going to go mental I didn't wash up I didn't I didn't oh my god and I could feel the anxiety all day at school of this fear and I opened the door and I remember creeping in and I remember my mum lunging at me and going insane she'd been pacing all day at the anger mm -hmm. of me leaving the cereal bowl and leaving work for her to do she had been pacing the house all day and she lunged at me and attacked me and I remember just having those kind of experiences throughout my childhood, the fear. I vomited on the school bus once and I was so frightened to go home because I knew that if I went home, I wouldn't be safe, that I'd, I'd have this mm. attack again because my mum didn't like me mm. being in the house. The more that I was out of the house, the better it was for both of us. So whenever I was forced to be at home, that's when the issues would come. And it would later come out that my mum had bipolar, but it was undiagnosed until pretty much it was too late. So she was put in a mental health institute. She was actually um, taken away and put in a mental health mm -hmm. hospital. She was sectioned in the UK. So she was actually taken away and sectioned um, multiple times. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. so that that's a, an insight into wow. my system being triggered from a very young age that not mm -hmm. wanting to be seen, not wanting to be heard, not wanting to even be witnessed. So how could I express my emotions? So I learned to bottle my emotions up. And being an empath, what an empath means is that you feel other people's pain, you feel other people are struggling and suffering, yeah. so you take it on yourself, thinking that you're helping. So I saw that my mum wasn't coping. On some level, I understood my mum's pain, so I started taking on my mum's pain. And it just became this burden that my little body couldn't cope with it. And I ended up just getting sick all of the time, which then perpetuated the cycle of the more sick I become, the more abuse that I got. And it was just this cycle that went on mm -hmm. and on and on. 
Do you have a desire for fulfillment? Does helping people tap into their own health mentally, emotionally, and physically fire you up? Do you believe in the impact of the gut microbiome on overall wellness? You may be an HWCA coach. For more info on our cutting-edge health coach trainings, visit hwcacoach.com. For people that don't quite understand some of this, there's so many. Thank you for sharing that. I um, There's so many components of what you're talking about um, on so many levels, but especially children, it, that empath uh, tendency. I, I am too. And often when a child is in an environment where with a mentally unstable parent or caregiver, um, they can become hypervigilant um, in very, uh, they read people very well because they learned they had to. It was a survival mechanism. They had to because they couldn't control because there wasn't, um, it didn't make sense. Uh, the, the events didn't make sense. It's not like, like, like you said, okay, you, you knew you, the, you left your bowl out, but the punishment didn't fit the crime. And I guarantee there's probably a lot of moments that you did nothing. I mean, you could be just sitting there and something would just, happen because you were just the recipient of that state of mind that she would be in. And so what a child does is, you know, that's survival mechanism that they, they learn to be so attuned to people and it can become our curse when we get older too, because we sit there and read every little thing. My husband cannot breathe the wrong way if there I mean if, if he has the slightest thought of something you know stressful or if there's something on his mind he's like geez you know and and it's to the point now where we just communicate I'm just like hey you're totally fine having your own simple thoughts if it's simple just fill me in if I'm like hey what's going on oh honey I just got some work stuff on my mind it's not personal or something okay like you're gonna have to explain things like that to me because I am if you say nothing it's maddening for someone like people like us because like we can tell it's not nothing because we can feel it, you know? Um, but the developmental process, that brain is so fragile. And if you guys saw the interviews um, a couple of month, months back with Dr. Brant Cartwright um, on functional psychiatry or functional, functional psychology, um, he talks about the, the hippocampus and how one very traumatic traumatic experience can actually shrink that part of the brain by up to a quarter, which he says is like, you know, essentially losing a chamber of the heart um, from one singular event. And so if you imagine, you know, if we are, if we grow up in these traumatic, you know, environments or unstable environments and stuff like that, then the, the effects of some of that is just um, can be catastrophic for a developing brain of, of a child. And so, so, and the body and the nervous system is just, oh, so interconnected, especially when we're talking invisible illness and some of these things. So that's, yeah, that's, that's a lot more people. That's, that's things that we need to also be so much more aware of when we're working with people, when we're coaching, um, when we're, when we're doing all of this is, is trauma and trauma experiences. Cause the body, like you said before Dawn, the body is so much smarter in the brain. It doesn't, it doesn't let us get away with much. It communicates. So we better, we best not shut off the signals in the communication, right? Like, like you learned with medication. That's exactly right. Yeah. Pain is just 
a communication loop. It's, it's your body screaming at you because you've ignored the emotions. Mm-hmm. The emotions is your guidance system. Mm-hmm. How you're feeling is is telling you how your body is feeling in that moment. And it's just experiencing it. Is it my emotion or is it my husband's or is it my child's or is it somebody else's or is it something with me? And it's, it's understanding if it's yourself or somebody else because if you're an empath, you get everything and then you have to just discern what belongs to me and what doesn't belong to me. Thank you for joining us for another empowering episode of Buddha Belly Life. For more information on gut health and mindset resources, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. And remember, heal yourself and then empower others to do the same. <laughs>